0: KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon, and this is Art on the Airwaves with Cammie Davis. to Art on the Airwaves with Cammie Davis on KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon, and that recording of my theme song was done by Elena Schubit, who was a recent graduate graduate from the Southern Oregon University, Oregon Center for the Arts, and I'm really excited because my guest today is David Humphreys, who is the Executive Director for the Oregon Center of the Arts at SOU.
1: That's correct, and I'm glad to be here.
0: What do you think of that recording?
1: It's a beautiful recording, and, and um, I, I just am envious of being able to create something like that.
0: Oh, my God. I, I, she did that for me a couple years ago when I first started um, my my radio show. She was actually at a barista at a coffee shop, um, Boulevard Coffee, where I was hanging my art. And I, we asked her if she would play for my event, which she and a friend did, and I was blown away. And then when she was so nice to record my mm-hmm. song, it must make you really proud to have students like that come out of your...
1: Well, oh, I'm proud of all of our students, and particularly ones that are great performers like that. So, yes, that was great. <laughs>
0: Good. Mm-hmm. I played that just for you today, David. <laughs> Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> so, welcome to Art on the Airwaves. I've been really excited to have you on. Um, I want to start by telling, having you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. How you came to be in Oregon, in, in Southern Oregon, and uh, do what you do.
1: Thanks. Well, um, I came here from San Francisco about three years ago, and I was director of the uh, Museum of Performance and Design, which is a large library and archive and exhibition area for performing arts in the Bay Area. So it's a, it had about a three and a half million um, collection of artifacts and recordings and video and film. Wow. Um, and it was uh, something that was uh, very unique in the country, one of the largest performing arts collections in the country. So I was there for about 12 years, and I really enjoyed the experience. Mm-hmm. Before that, I came. I was at um, Washington, DC, and I came from the um, John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, where I was director of education. And I got to be able to produce, produce youth and family programming while I was there, as well as all of its education programs, including the National Symphony Orchestra that, that was there. So that Can was I? a big job. It was fun. It was exciting. I met lots of great people. Uh, but after 10 years, it was like, all right, I've had enough. I want to move to the West Coast. And, oh. and that's how I got out here.
0: Oh, very nice. Now, have you always like growing up and stuff? Did you always have an interest in the arts?
1: Oh yes, uh, my background is in music. I've always been interested in music, mm-hmm. and so I was planning to be a band director. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Went to Florida State University in the School of Music, and it um, did an internship uh, with a band in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I had a great time. I enjoyed it, but then I started thinking well, maybe there's more that I can do. So I went back to graduate school, and I got into opera production because I was able to broaden out oh, my wow. interests. I also was music director for the theater department and um, also got involved in dance studies as well. So I've always been interested in the arts, but music was my entree into the arts, mm-hmm. and I still cherish it to this day. But, but um, I, I enjoy involving all kinds of artists, both visual and performing arts.
0: Yeah, I love that about you. I remember you, um, I met with you recently, probably a a month or two ago um, in your office, and we just had such a great conversation. And um, one of the things that I remember... after leaving that discussion, was you were talking about um, the Oregon Center for the Arts, which we're going to talk about quite a bit more. Um, I want to hear about the changes that you made and stuff um, when you came there. But um, talking about you and your childhood is one of the things that you had said was how, um, you know, you're, you're trained a certain way or you do a certain thing and you're just, you kind of like go along this path. And you had wanted to change the scope of what's happening here at school to where when you get in there, all these other options are open open for you, because maybe that one certain path that you were kind of instructed and guided towards, maybe that's not exactly your path, but you're a really creative person. It sounds like that was a personal experience for, for you. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that um, parents um, see that their um, child might have some talents,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they go to something that's you know, pretty easy to do. Okay, you take piano lessons, or you, or you take um, flute lessons, or you, or you're going to take um, some dance um, classes, and the student goes in and does that and really excels at it, but it may not be the art discipline of their choice eventually, because I firmly believe that um, there are um, disciplines that have personalities involved mm-hmm. and so consequently mm-hmm. you find that um, you know, you're know you stuck in a practice room for hours on end but you really like being with people yeah. and so that maybe you kind of then move over to theater theater is a community art it's, it's involved with collaboration and that is where you excel in and your personality works with you on that so that's why I want to make sure that the um, programs here at Southern Oregon University allowed students to come in one door where they have succeeded at and then explore the other arts disciplines if they wish and then they may graduate through another door um, Mm -hmm. which is better suited to what they want in a career.
0: See I think that's really interesting because um, as someone obviously a little bit more experienced I just turned 50 okay there you go is that, that that's one of the things I'm still trying to figure out, is how to do a career in art, which I love so much. And I'm looking at the areas that kind of shut me down uh, emotionally or creatively, and yet the areas that I excel at. So the fact that you're looking at that for for your students' perspective earlier on and helping them figure that out. Like when you just said theater arts, and that's a more of a social collaborative type of thing. Like, for some reason, even though it's so obvious, I'd never put one plus one together to where I actually gave that a thought in the past. So I think that's great.
1: Well, it is. And the fact is that you got to have opportunities to be able to do that. And uh, I know many schools across the country, they have fantastic arts programs. They have great schools of music, great theater programs, great um, art programs. But the students aren't really allowed to um, go into another department, mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. area, and explore and take courses. I know when I was studying music, uh, I was interested in theater. So I wandered over to the theater department and, and um, volunteered to do lighting for a show and then um, became involved with theater programs. But I remember a music professor saying to me, well, you're going to have to choose between music and theater. And I said to myself, no, Aww. I'm not going to choose between them. I'm going to do both.
0: Yeah. So that's really cool. So I don't know um, how closely you follow what I do, but um, recently I really started doing these music art collaborations. And um, basically it was because I do always paint to music, and it was kind of showcasing that. So I started doing paintings to the local musicians' um, songs and creating videos and stuff from it and kind of showing um, that way that um, one discipline affects the other. And what I found in with working with the different musicians is that we're both affected by each other's creative discipline.
1: Absolutely. And what you find out, there's a synergy between artists. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if you separate um, the different disciplines and students in those disciplines, then they don't get to experience that synergy. Yeah. They don't understand what it is. We do a, um, a fringe festival, the Oregon Fringe Festival. You
0: told me about that. That exactly. sounds so cool.
1: And it's student produced. The students yeah. do it. And uh, we've already started planning for the 2016 Fringe Festival. But it's once a case of having students having the opportunity to work together and multidisciplines to create a festival to be able to showcase what they do and and to do new things for the festival. So I oh love the festival That's from amazing. that standpoint because the students do uh, just do incredible work.
0: Oh my God! Now, when uh, do you know what month it's going to be in? And when, what are the dates yeah. or the month at least?
1: Well, right now we're looking at um, May 9th through the 14th. Uh, So it's in the spring, and um, we're looking also doing something a little bit different this year, and that is commissioning students to do work specifically for the festival. So we can provide a little bit of money for um, students. They have to do proposals, Mm -hmm. uh, then provide some money for them to... Buy materials, or or pay for whatever expenses they have, and that way, then it gives them a more of also an idea of being a business person. Right, that they have to manage the money, and they have to also produce a product that is being seen by a, a public, an audience.
0: Yeah, when you were saying that, I was thinking, well, that's so real world. I love it when education gives real world um, situations for the students. So that is amazing. Um, there's a website for that, isn't there? How do well, yes,
1: people- there is. It's, it's um, org. Okay. And they go there. They'll see right now, they'll see uh, photographs from the activities from the 2015 festival. And that's to be changed as we prepare for 2016.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I went after I met with you before I went and I looked at that site. And the, um, the images and stuff definitely make me want to attend this year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I think we're... So sorry about that. Technology, you know, it eludes me. But anyway, here's Beast of Burden Crank it up. This is by The Rogue Suspects. The phone number to call. The phone number. Yeah, I do need that. Thank goodness for David Humphrey's being in the studio. It's 541-482-3999. Give me a call. I <laughs> That was the Rogue Suspects with Beast of Burden. And this is Cammie Davis with Art on the Airwaves on KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon. And today is the KSKQ Pledge Drive, so keep those calls coming. I'm going to put another song on in about 15, 20 minutes, so get your phone close by so that when I put that... That song, on, you guys can call in and pledge some money to help support this great community radio station. Um, I have in the in the um, station today in the studio. I have David Humphreys from the SOU Center for the Arts, and we were just talking a little bit about that song. I, I kind of cranked it up, and we were. I was like, "Oh, should I have brought opera for you today?" And he said, um, "Well, tell us what you said." Although that you do opera, it's, yes, uh, I'm,
1: I'm interested in opera production. That's that's what I really enjoy. And I think that um, a lot of opera buffs are really in, into the opera music, mm-hmm. and that's great too. Um, I love opera music, but it's the production that really excites me. So when you go to a opera, um, you, the theater itself is part of the experience. So mm-hmm, you see mm-hmm. this gorgeous um, theaters, operatic theaters, and then you see this grand work on stage and in the incredible sets, incredible yeah. costumes, and and it really takes you away. But I've also seen opera done in really informal situations. But um, I find, again, it's the experience of being with people and seeing it. Listening to opera recordings are wonderful, and I love doing that. But it's the opera experience that really excites me the most.
0: Yeah. Well, I've kind of realized recently, just because I've had different local musicians in the studio singing live, and I've I've gone to a few concerts, which I really, most of my life, I, i didn't end up going to that many concerts so recently I've been able to go to a few and I'm finding anything live is so much better even than the cds or the you know the recordings of them
1: well the truth about it is is a different experience altogether when you listen to music by yourself you know you get into the music it's it's enjoyable but when you listen to music with other people around you it's another experience and it's actually probably even more emotional and more moving when you do that
0: that's so true. And you're, you're, you're paying attention to the, the artist emotions and stuff while they're singing or playing and stuff too like you're reacting to that oh,
1: absolutely and 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 you, and you can feel the energy in yeah. the space when it goes on that's the excitement that's why people go to um performances at brit festivals or so that's why they go yeah. to our concert hall or, or or to the shakespeare festival is to see the performances and be with other people while they do it
0: yeah absolutely so here's my recent um kind of I don't want to say introduction because I've listened to opera off and on throughout the years, but my recent experience with opera, that's the word I'll use. Um, so local musician Jeff Klutzel, who was on um, the last time I was doing art on the airwaves, and he had recorded my theme song for me, um, you know, a different version than what we listened to today. And he had kind of apologized to me because he was like, oh, Cammy, I was going to try to get, like, all these different background music and this opera singer and stuff like that. And I was, and my my brain was going, opera in with that? How weird is is that? And of course he didn't need all that because his recording is amazing. I'm going to p- play it on my next show, so make sure you li- listen every first and third Friday from 1 to 2 um, here on KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland. Or any of my podcasts, which are on artontheairwaves.com. Um, but anyway, he made a mixed CD for me, David. And one of the I'm I'm listening to this song, and it was um, a person singing whose um, voice was kind of similar to Jeff's, which is very, to me, I would call it temperate. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's very easy to listen to it's just a very enjoyable you know voice that you can listen to like you know singing for a while anyway they're singing along in the song and all of a sudden this opera singer comes on in the background with this la you know this really high voice and it was just like i i st- i was painting and i stopped i was like oh, what just happened and but it was amazing it was the contrast of that
1: well, the, the operatic voice is trained, and so it's a different sounding kind of voice than you hear in, say, popular music. Um, not that some of those are not trained either, but mm-hmm. the fact is that opera singers are trained from a, a, a fairly um, early age to be operatic singers. It has to do with breath control, has to be able to capacity, and also just innate natural qualities that allow them to do it. Plus the talent to be able to be able to perform, I, I commissioned Carly Simon, um, and some of your listeners might remember Carly Simon. I
0: remember Carly <laughs> Simon. Are you kidding? I hope everyone knows her.
1: <laughs> She's extraordinary. But um, this was a project between the Kennedy Center and the Metropolitan Opera to have her write an opera for young audiences, and the idea was that um, we wanted to get new audiences, and we knew that young parents. Uh, would know Carly Simon at that time and bring their children to see it, but Carly was a un, did not know what opera music was, and so we had to train her on it. but one of the things wow. that we had to do is demonstrate <laughs> that the operatic voice can sing over a hundred piece orchestra, which she did not believe so the at the Met we Hired the orchestra, and we brought in some opera singers to sing over the orchestra. And it it was very effective, and she could understand that. But at the time, in her building lived Beverly Sills, who was also an operatic singer and um, also um, director of the New York City Opera. And they perform in the New York State Theater, which is not an um, opera house, it's a dance house. So in effect, they do microphone the singers in that space. So Carly spoke to Beverly and asked, well, do you mic singers? And Beverly says, well, yes, we do. And so from that point on, uh, we lost that argument. As we had to mic our singers.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's really interesting, though. I, I, what a cool story, too. you like, Carly Simon, you kind of lost me with that because I was so excited, but <laughs> that's really cool.
1: Well, you know, I think there's um, been some interest about OSF uh, micing their actors on stage uh, in the Elizabeth Theater or on, on any stage because oh. their voices are trained to be able to project oh, um, in a big theater house. But even still, um, in our day and age, people are getting more accustomed to amplified voices. And so they do it, and they do it very effectively. And and many times you have no awareness that the voices are amplified.
0: See, that is so interesting to me, because I have found out, especially since I've started doing this radio show, that I have... And people have told me that before, and probably not in a good way, that I I do. My voice projects. I have a really loud voice for I don't know why. So I always have to turn my... Like, if you look at the panel right now, David, you'll see mine's a little bit lower than yours. But I had this little tiny singer in, um, actually Shay from The Rogue Suspects, the song I just... Um, song. I don't know. You probably know who I'm talking about. Um, Shay was in here singing um, and she started singing acapella and I had to turn it way down. She was this little tiny thing and her voice just projected. It was so amazingly beautiful.
1: Again, it's training, and it's being able to do it so that you don't hurt your voice while you sing. Um, and that's, that's really important. So that's why we have students who come to the university to study music and voice, so that they can train their voices to be able to project without hurting them.
0: Oh, wow, I bet that would make a difference. See, not being musical, I don't think about all these things. So let's talk about when you moved here three years ago um, to be the executive director for the Oregon Center for the Arts Um, I moved here, it's been four and a half years now. And one of the things I remember when I was talking to some um, younger students who had gone to school there, um, was them talking about how they had not taken any um, business classes. So they really didn't enter the world knowing much about um, the business side of art. And I've been very impressed that that's one of the changes that you have made. So can we talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, um, one of the things that I um, noted is that... um, We have uh, young artists who come to the school who love the arts. They want to be in the arts, Mm -hmm. but they may not necessarily be performers or they may not necessarily be creators, but they still want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I can use myself as an example. So what I figured out is that wouldn't it be great if we created a bachelor's degree in the arts and a master's of business administration degree, which the SOU already offers, and combine them together? So actually, even as we speak, um, we are developing this graduate program for students in the arts to be able to get a master's degree in five years um, after attending um, SOU. The fact is that I believe strongly is that artists are small businesses and Mm -hmm. they need to understand how to operate as a small business. And so um, we have uh, several things. We have business courses that um, artists can take. Uh, uh, there's a business uh, music business course that Terry Longshore teaches but also this degree will allow um, students to be able to get a an MBA, which is a very valuable degree, and go into the business of the arts, or be an administrator, or be a a manager of an arts group of some kind. Um, That way, they have the credentials, the training, and as well as the um, know-how to make things work in the business world.
0: Now, are there classes that are required for any um, artist getting a a bachelor's degree? Just just like in fine arts, I mean, not right. on the business side. At
1: this point, no. Um, and I think that's going to change, that there will be some courses that will be required. Um, what we try to do is encourage students to understand the value of it, how mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. it is. It's like technology. It's important that you know technology. Yeah. Um, and the fact is that many artists think, oh, well, I'm going to be a musician. I don't need technology. And in this day and world, you need t- technology. Yeah. So the fact is that we encourage artists and advise them to take technology, to take business courses, so that they can be uh, prepared for today's world and being an artist in that world.
0: I think that's really cool, and I'm so glad that you've made that change at SOU Um, that's my radio show is meant to be uh, focused on art and the business of art and it's basically because I went my whole life just you know dreaming of being an artist and when I finally decided to focus on that like six years ago that business side is everything you can't in today's world people don't just come and find you and you know put your art in galleries and it doesn't just happen that's not how it happens there's so much competition and, and um, competition for attention and in anything you do that i I personally think it's really important to focus maybe equal attention on the business side as well as the art
1: absolutely and I think what it is is that uh, it's it's being able to uh inform students of the importance of it but also demonstrate that as well i think if you can show that more that you know about business and be able to operate as a business the more successful you will be Mm -hmm. and and i think we all have learned it after we've graduated from programs (laughs) right oh my gosh i have (laughs) to uh, read an accounting sheet Uh, yeah it's it's important
0: yeah i was lucky that i ended up at first i went to school for fine art and then um when i actually got my degree it was for interior interior design and um so we did have some business classes in there and i think even though um you know i don't know how much of it i'm actually using but it it at least it i think i actually am but it it put the um, idea in my head like i knew that this was a part that i needed to look at and so it it did come from my initial education um Let's talk about how did you make, what changes exactly did you make to SOU, getting it from all these individual departments um, on the art side to one cohesive unit?
1: Well, I was asked to come here to be um, Director of Performing Arts, which at that time included music and theater. And then the university was going through an academic reorganization. And um, we had started some discussions between the visual arts and the performing arts about what would happen if we came together and created a a program. So because of the academic reorganization, it was just the right time to pull all the arts together. So I worked with all of um, the faculty and, and some key individuals on what it would be like to create a center for the arts. It's not a new idea for the university. Matter of fact, in the 70s, they had come up with a, uh, I think a fine and performing arts center, um, which never quite got off the ground, but they were still thinking about it at that time. So the timing was right, happened to be in the right place at the right time, and had the right people together, and we were able to put all the arts, including um, creative writing, in part of the Oregon Center for the Arts. Now, we were the center for the arts, and so we um, decided that Maybe we need to bring a little more um, identity to the center mm-hmm, uh, and call yeah. it the Organ Center for the Arts.
0: I like that, actually, a, a lot. It sticks in your mind, and it, and it gives you the emphasis that you need, I think. So what all? which disciplines does it include now?
1: Well, it includes um, music and theater, certainly, but it also includes music theater studies, Shakespeare studies, dance studies. And wow. then we have the creative arts area, which includes art, art history, Uh, emerging media, digital arts, and creative writing. So that is the academic programs. And then we have the Schneider Museum of Art as part of the center. And then we have Chamber Music Concerts as part, and um, Shakespeare America that we've um, started to um, work with that also is part of the center, and many more programs.
0: All the good stuff in my eyes, like everything you were just listening, I was like smiling too, because like, oh, that's all the fun stuff at the university, or all the good stuff in my mind. You were telling me about something. I'm trying to remember what it was, is why I'm pausing. And I can't remember exactly, but you were talking about a new program that you were um, considering doing for SOU. And it was something about there was like tiny houses, and it was bringing people in. And tell us about that.
1: Well, um, when I came here, I saw such great potential because... Everyone wants to come to Ashland. It's so beautiful here. It's such a cultural yes. community. And we know artists want to come here as well. So the thought has been is that, okay, we um, create an artist in residency program.
0: That was it.
1: And, and we, we have artists in residence um, that come in. But the fact is it's not really uh, combined across all the arts. So my idea is try to bring in a, um, um, a program that brings artists for a week or a month or or three months to create, to work with students, and to be able to um, um, enjoy the uh, collaborative efforts that we have going on. And in doing so, we have to have a place for them to live. And we have great places in Ashland but I would love to create on campus these tiny houses.
0: I love which those. <laughs> are, it would be a wonderful
1: residence. They could Artists could work in our studios and then they could um, return each evening to their tiny house. Um, and I like to have them um, together so that artists in the evening could collaborate. Mm-hmm. And um, we're looking at the sustainability center. They're building a Gorgeous pavilion, and it'll be the perfect place for um, uh, presentations. And we're thinking, well, it'd be nice to put a couple tiny houses around the pavilion, and it'd be a a great arts and culture community.
0: So, wait, so you have a sustainability thing at SOU? Yes, program?
1: Sustainability Center. Well, I did know was that. began last year. Um, it's been very successful. It's student um, run mostly um, and the fact is that uh, it's, it's something that's very important to the university. Um, so the, we, they have gardens that they grow vegetables and then they sell the vegetables to the student, faculty, and staff. Oh my
0: gosh. And
1: uh, it's been very, very successful and they've uh, grown significantly with it.
0: I love that. I took um, a year of sustainable design classes when I was going to college for interior design. I was back then. I was so intrigued by the idea of tiny homes because that was kind of how I actually grew up. My parents were hippies, and um, you know. And then I did the American thing and tried to you know have the the middle class lifestyle with the the house and everything. And and then I just worked all the time to pay the bills. And at some point I went, oh my gosh, I want a simpler way of life where I can be an artist. So I think that's so cool that that the university has. Something like that, and you're thinking about like incorporating that in the program that you're, um, the artist-in-residency. Um, school just started again for this year.
1: School did start, and it started off with a bang because we began the year with the Lunacy Theater Festival which uh, oh, wh- was what?
0: <laughs> what? What is this? I- well,
1: the Lunacy <laughs> Theater Festival is a theater festival that focuses on theater movement, mime, circus movement, um, oh. and, and and great comedy. Oh, so and cool. So we ran about five nights and of this festival itself. And then we had the Oregon um, Art Summit here in Ashland, which we're, we're very proud of. And we did some events with that at the Schneider Museum of Art. And then um, last week was the um, Oregon Art Education Association that met here on campus. And it brought in about 200 teachers from across art teachers from across the state. So we've been very, very busy at the beginning <laughs> of this year. Slightly.
0: <laughs> um, we were talking a little bit about the Oregon Art Summit Um, I want to talk about that a little bit more, as well as a survey that you had given me uh, when you and I were chatting in your office a few months ago that I found really interesting. But I also want to give callers a chance to call in and pledge funds for KSKQ. So I'm going to send us to our next song. It is by um, Lauren Shearer, who is a musician from Nashville. But I saw her locally. It was at, I think it's called the Rogue Theater in Grants Pass. That was the first time I'd been there, by the way. That was... That was a great venue to watch musicians live.
1: That's great. But but what number should people call?
0: Thank you for reminding me, David. You're amazing in that way. (laughs) Um, So please give us a call at 541-482-3999.
1: What is that again?
0: 541-482-3999. I think I have a new co-host. I really need one, too. So give us a call at that number and pledge your support for KSKQ. Oh mm-hmm. Shira with um, a song from her CD and I love that and thank you to the caller that we got calling to pledge funds for KSKQ um, 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon. We really appreciate your calls and I actually have somebody answering the phones now so you can call anytime uh, 541-482-3999 and we really appreciate your support of this great community Station. I'm back on the air. This is Cammie Davis with Art on the Airwaves, and I'm back on the air with David Humphreys, who's the executive director for the Oregon Center for the Arts at SOU. And um, we're going to talk just a little bit about a survey that that, um, David gave me when I spoke with him recently. Um, Do you remember who this is by, David?
1: Well, it was done by a public relations firm in Portland, Oregon, Mm -hmm. uh, that is working with um, uh, the the state... um, Uh, I should say Arts Commission on trying to develop a new framework for talking about arts.
0: Two of the things that jumped out at at me when I read through it that I found um, really interesting, so I want to quickly touch on both of those, because I think for the artists um, and entrepreneurs who are listening, I think this type of information is valuable as far as what uh, connects people, what makes them connect. Um, One of the things was that it says, um, creative expression is a more engaging and powerful frame than arts and culture for most audiences because it brings more people into a conversation about arts and culture. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think you and I kind of connect in that way of um, what was the phrase that you used? It wasn't snobbish but there's, there's a certain perception when you use the word culture people are afraid of it.
1: Yes, they are. Um, people, when you use the words arts and culture they think this is for the um, upper class or for the people who have lots of money or, or it's, it's uppity but the fact is is that everyone's involved in the arts. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And because we use the words arts and culture, they don't seem to identify with that. So what's happening is that um, the arts across the country are trying to change the, um, the framework on how you talk about the arts. So um, artistic engagement, um, creativity engagement is really important. Everyone does something artistic, and mm-hmm. they're involved in one way or another with their children particularly, or um, for their own enjoyment. You know, video games are artistic engagement. I mean, you're looking at them, you're seeing the design work that's in them. Um, It goes on and on and on. So what we're trying to do is change the framework of how people think about the arts and not use the words arts and culture so much, but look at engagement and how people have creative expression and what they do.
0: Did you guys hear that? I had the executive director for the Oregon Center for the Arts at SOU talking about video games and how that is part of arts and culture and that just made me incredibly happy because I feel that way really strongly Um, I think that the arts are for everyone and the more ways that you can engage people to where I think people are interested in different sides. Like I had my tattoo artist came on recently. That is art people were like, what? Uh, Huh?" And it's like, no, it's whatever inspires you.
1: Absolutely, you know, I, I think if you look at the big rigs of trucks and they have design work on them yeah. it's really done just for that t- particular driver, that's art. Yeah. Um, and it can be tattoos, that's art. Yeah. It can be anything that is creative expression. A story I like to tell is that about a year after I, um, 9-11 happened, I was in New York and at the Museum of um, New York and oh, they wow. had an exhibit of the artifacts that people left behind um, expressing their sorrow and emotional oh, distraught, wow. and as I walked through it, I looked at all this poetry, all the designs, the drawings, the uh, the sculpture pieces that people did, and it was pretty crude and the fact is that people reached for whatever. Technique they had to create art. They didn't realize it was art because it was expressing their emotions. And it really said to me, as a as an advocate for arts education, is that if we can give people more tools to be able to express themselves through arts, they are able to then express their feelings and be able to um, really pledge out their their desires for arts and and how it can express themselves. So we need to find ways to um, provide those tools. And I think um, by changing the, the discussion, the framework of what arts is, is one way to do it. Arts doesn't mean going to the opera or arts doesn't mean going to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. What it means is creative expression, what you do yourself and how it it affects you. Design is in your life every day, everything you do. Um, Good design is something that we all recognize. So that's why I'm really uh, trying to advocate for this
0: wow that just sometimes when when someone will be in my uh, in the studio here and they'll sing a song and it's amazing and and i just react to it and i just felt that way when when david was talking like i I felt like emotional like i get like a little like lump in my throat type of thing but um i just like that was such a great visual image actually of the nine woman. like I, i could feel like i was there with you when you were saying it and i think that's just so true and i hope more and more people kind of and pay attention to that um to what he was saying i have people who will comment on oh i love art and then they'll they'll look at me and realize i'm an artist and they'll kind of start apologizing like oh i don't really know what to say or what i feel or whatever and you know like david was saying it it is about connecting emotionally and and
1: well, a lot of times artists uh, mystifies arts and they make, they make it um, so um, that people don 't have a- easy access to it, but most artists try to do the exact yeah. opposite yeah, and so that 's the fact is that um, it 's being able to talk about the arts and and again show how it 's in everyone 's life
0: yeah, I love that. Um, the other thing from that survey, survey that jumped out at me, I want to have a chance to talk about upcoming events at um, SOU. But um, let's really quickly talk a little bit about this was uh, you and you and I spoke about this in your office was about connection. Um, When I'm working on art events, it's how do you draw people to them? And you had said something about the findings in the survey were that what brings people to events are when they are there with family or friends and there's a connection, they're able to enjoy something together. So you can get people to events by making it something that they want to go and hang out with their friends and family rather than just oh go look at the art
1: absolutely again I, I think this ref- goes back to what we were saying earlier is that it's the experience of, of enjoying something with people that you know and, and love and care about so that's why you should go to um, events with friends so that it's a social experience you know having food and drink is part of the experience is, is pretty wonderful so it is a part of our lives. One of the best experiences I had was in Brooklyn, uh, New York, which was an opera. It was done in the church hall in Brooklyn. And people brought in their picnic lunches, and they had the best cannellies I've ever eaten. <laughs> and it was, it was a very informal um, atmosphere. But it was some of the best opera because New York has great singers, and they were being able to do, enjoy themselves socially as well as hearing great art.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. And that's funny. You mentioned the cannolis because I often find when I go to... Um, to events like if I go to a winery and listen to a local musician it's like you end up you remember like this certain wine that was so good or, or whatever but you're so influenced by the music and if there's art on the walls and the time that you spend with friends and it all kind of collides in your mind to where you remember the cannolis <laughs> Well, well that's what's wonderful. everything else
1: wonderful about being here in Ashland and the Rogue Valley is we have great wine we have great food and we're great arts and culture. I know we have so it all it's all here
0: Yeah, we do. Let's talk about, we've got about, I don't know, six or seven minutes left. Let's talk about what the Oregon Center for the Arts at SOU, what's upcoming for you guys.
1: what's going on right now at the Schneider Museum of Art is Breaking Patterns, which is a contemporary art of several artists from New York and... And in Oregon too, um, which is an extraordinary um, exhibition. and I really encourage people to see it.
0: I need to get there. What, when's it running to? It Until?
1: runs. It runs into the end of this term, so that will be in December. Okay. So it's open. Um, also, we have the Tutinoff, uh Piano Series that's coming up. That's really popular, and um, the first one comes up on the 30th of October with Andreas Klein. Uh, I encourage people to come to that.
0: Where? T- tell me about this because I actually, for some reason, I, t- I try to keep up on things happening in the area, but it-, it is hard to get that information and really know what's happening and where. Tell us, like, if I wanted to go to that, what do I need to do?
1: Well, what you can do is go to the Oregon Center for the Arts website, which okay. is OCA. Dot s-o-u dot e-d-u okay. and go to the events page and there's a listing of all the events that are going on here um, I know that there is a movement in front here in Ashland to create a cultural um, calendar so yeah. that everything can be on one site so I'm really that encouraged would that be we can do that would be so
0: nice um, I'm going to put the link that David mentioned I'm going to put that on the art on the airwaves um on the website and as well as I'll do a post on Facebook so if you didn't have a pencil to write that down I will have that link on artontheairwaves.com
1: so also we have coming up is um, some of our student concerts and events the percussion ensemble and the choral ensemble this weekend we're having the um High School Honor Choir that we produce each year. Um, that's on Sunday, and it's always a wonderful concert. So there's a lot of concerts going on, exhibitions. And then theater comes up um, in November, and we're doing The Seagull, and then we're doing something called Caliban's Dreams. And I know people will want to see both of those because they're, they're, one is a classic, and the other one is going to be pretty interesting um, in terms of theater movement and excitement. So we don't want people to miss that.
0: So this is another thing I should know. I, I For some reason, I didn't know this. So you can go and watch plays at SOU?
1: Oh, absolutely. We, <laughs> are, we run a box office. And again, you can get to the box office online okay. through the oca.sou.edu. And you can get your tickets for these performances. We run the plays over three weekends. So there's plenty of opportunity to see the shows. And again, you see some of the best student talent on the stage.
0: That is so awesome. So if I were to go to that, I like I have to be able to visualize things really clearly in my mind to really make them happen. I'm a visual person. Um, if I were to go to that. Parking always freaks me out a little bit, although it's so stupid because I'm from Seattle and parking here is so easy. So if I were to go to a play, how easy is it to find parking? And like, What's the situation I'm walking into?
1: Well, parking is very easy. We have a huge parking lot across from the music building and the theater building on Mountain Avenue so that people can go there and park free and then um, they just walk across the street to the theaters. So that's available. Very nice. And there's parking behind the Schneider Museum that's open for our visitors, so we encourage that People can come there as well.
0: Oh, so it's easy to go to the Schneider Museum
1: as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and, and it's it's very welcoming, and it's and also you get to see student work in the galleries there next to it, and there's a lot of student exhibits that are up there right now.
0: Oh, now see, I I went to the uh, that, I, that's where I actually had seen you recently was at the Chuck Close exhibit, which was amazing, uh, at the Schneider Museum of Art. I can't believe some of the exhibits you guys get into that, into our small town Oregon. It's amazing. You guys do such a great job. But had I walked into the building across from it, I could have seen the, the students? Uh,
1: well, during the um, academic year, yes, you could. Oh my and, gosh. And right now, there's, a, there's a, at least three or four exhibits that are up that's are student work. It's constantly changing, and so there's always new work to be seen. So so come often.
0: Yeah, now if I'm in Ashland and I've got a few minutes and I'm bored, can I just come there and go and check out the students' work? Is there certain hours or?
1: Um, oh, absolutely. You can come in and check it out. Um, it's open from 9 to uh, 7 o'clock at night and you can see it and, and, and it's free.
0: This is so great to know, and, and I'm, I'm glad listeners are hearing this as well because I think we're all going to have a chance to um, see a little bit more art and listen to more art and watch plays and stuff too. So we have about two minutes left, David. What are the what are last thoughts for our listeners?
1: Well, I want to say that the um, Oregon Center for the Arts I think is a great opportunity not only for students but for the community as well because part of our mission is to outreach into the community and build partnerships with the arts organizations we work closely with the Oregon shakespeare festival our students intern there Um, they have fantastic experiences but we also create um, symposiums and discussions on shakespeare and its works Mm -hmm. Um, that's what shakespeare america is all about also, I would say that we work with the Rogue Valley Symphony and the Southern Oregon Repertory Singers and we work with Bridge Festivals. Uh, these are important organizations that we really want to have available for our students to do internships and, uh, and, of course, see uh, performances that they do. And um, we also t- work with the Ashton Arts Center and, and try to get students' work involved with that as well.
0: I love um, what you give to the students by having those connections. But as someone who's done events in our area, I will say this um, because the SO students, SOU students, um, their open studio, had gotten involved with the edgy events that I used to do. Um, having that On the other side of it, having that connection with the students, there's such a vibrancy, a creative energy and interest that happens when you bring that youth in.
1: So we participate in First Friday, and this coming First Friday in November, we're going to have a trolley that will run from downtown to the Schneider Museum. So people can just jump on the trolley, they can come to the museum, they can see the student at work, and they can jump on and go back to um, downtown Ashland. So, And it's all, again, free. We're making this available to, to get people to see what's going on.
0: That is awesome because when I've been there before, it's like, oh, I need to leave to go to SOU. That is, so the trolley does it pick up in the plaza?
1: It will pick up in the plaza and and follow the route of the artists and the first Friday.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, our time is up sadly because I had an amazing guest, guest today. I hope you guys enjoy talking to David Humphrey as much as I did. I'm going to have the link to his site, uh, to the site for the Oregon Center for the Arts at SOU um, for all of their events so that you can go and and hopefully get to some of those events. I'm going to send us to a song to close us out with today by Old Mountain Dew.